Okay, welcome to the final Mercury session. Um, we have yet another group of winning temporary fan acolytes uh, to share their knowledge and their opinions about the final four artists. Same as we've done in the other sections, uh, exactly the same sort of format. Um, just as we've been explaining over and over again, this was the logistical nightmare, different time zones, but technically this should be the easiest one to get organized because everybody is relatively in the same place. Today we have Nick again. Hello, Nick. Hello. We've got John. Hello. Uh, John, where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm in Larkhall in Scotland. And those of you who have listened to previous episodes, of course you have, will recognize John for the rather excellent Pogues, which was episode two. Go and have a listen. We've got Marianne. Hello, Marianne. Hi. And where are you? I'm in Forest Hill, which is in South East London. Fantastic. Um, those of you who listened to all the things I edited out of the first episode would know Marianne, but sadly, uh, she ended up on the cutting room floor and I feel really bad about it. Um, we've got Emma. Hello, Emma. Hello. And where are you at the moment? I'm in Lark Hall in Bath. Okay, and finally we've got Sai. Hello, Sai. Hello. And where are you? I am in Bolton. This is the least international and glamorous one we've done so far, and it's brilliant. Dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as you know, we're gonna start, and we've got two albums for each section. We're gonna start straight in. Um, because there's so many of us at this in this one, Nick and I might try and take a bit of a back seat, although we will pipe up from time to time, maybe to move things on if need be. So Sai, you are up first. Would you like to tell us uh, who the artist is, give us an introduction, and why you like it or why you don't like it, why you think it might win. Over to you. Okay, so uh, my chosen record for the McPrize is How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. Um, I fell in love with Charlie XCX, the artist, um, about four years ago uh, when she brought her Pop 2 uh, mixtape she's one of those artists that I always kind of wanted to like uh, because you, sometimes you read about an artist and the way that people write about it you think oh that sounds amazing but I, I hadn't quite connected but then over the last sort of few years I've had this kind of midlife crisis where I've fallen head over heels with pop music for the first time since I was about 12. Yeah so this album um, it's kind of she kind of had a, a renaissance about sort of four years ago when she um, got involved with these guys um, on a record label called PC Music and what PC Music do is they make, they're a kind of um, almost like a sort of hit factory and they've got like a, a roster of artists and their sort of uh, armory is revolving around sort of very high pitched vocals, um, sort of music that's equal parts, J-pop, um, uh, house music, um, uh, pop music, a lot of uh, use of vocal effects. Um, uh, and so, about sort of four years ago, Charlie XX got involved with those guys. And this is, they've got this sort of wonderful sort of symbiosis where everything they've done now is it's almost like this brand new version of pop music that, that really hasn't been seen before. And for the first time in her career, really, she's now being acclaimed for who she is rather than necessarily what she brings to other artists and the songwriting she does. The album itself, it's only released nine months after her third uh, album proper, Charlie. Um, now, Charlie was a kind of taken about two years to record, um, sort of you know, different writers on there working for herself. And then 
uh, in around about April time, uh, she was on a Zoom call with her fans um, and she basically announced that in six weeks time, she was going to release her fourth album um, and that she was going to write it all, collaborate um, with her fans uh, and get it done over this six week period. And then lo and behold, five and a half weeks later, it saw the light of day. I mean, when I first heard it, and this is my age, but for me, this is what TikTok sounds like. Um, global video uh, memes, this is the sound of TikTok, which basically means, for me, this is the sound of a generation I really don't understand. Now, the second time I listened to it, I thought it was fucking great. Um, third time, I had a bit of a wobble, but I'm fully on board. Personally, I think it's going to win the whole thing. What did other, what did everybody, I'm going to step out of this at the moment. I want to see what everybody else had to say about this. Marianne, what do you think? Well, it's funny you say, like, you're saying, well, it sounds like TikTok. For me, I was like, hmm, if I, put, if I was to put on Radio 1, this is what I would expect to hear on Radio 1, but, like, I don't, I don't listen to that anymore. You know, like, it, it's kind of, it, it definitely feels um, kind of out of my usual range of listening. Um, as a pop record, I think I can really appreciate it, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit hard and it's a little bit angular for me. Like, that, you know, it doesn't have... Um, yeah there kind of there isn't much softness to it which I, when I was, I was I was reflecting on this and I was thinking about pop that I like and pop that I would like have listened to through the years and yeah so it felt like yeah if I was at a party and this was on this would be really you know like a sort of summer thing and you know I, I'd be really happy to have it on but yeah it, it didn't sort of speak to me on on a soul level whilst I could you know appreciate you know I, and I think the story of how it came about is is a pretty like fascinating one and the fact that she was able to pull it together so quickly and that it's like this very you know lockdown symbolic thing um it's amazing but but musically yeah just a little bit yeah a bit too kind of I, I sort of want to say harsh almost um if that makes sense Sorry, I think the lockdown thing is worth talking about because usually the Mercury uh, board would be making their decisions, and but we've been in the strange times. So are they going to be influenced by the fact that we are in quarantine period or various lockdowns around the world? And we have this one album that has come out of the quarantine, come out of the global lockdown, that sort of represents the frustrations and the art and people stuck at home and the collaborations that can be done is that going to influence at all do you reckon just sorry i i don't know i mean you know i, you know, I guess the precedent is things like the oscars where you talk about oh it's so and so's turn or it's um you know they need to have a you know, a, you know they have to have someone with a, a film with a black person who's going to win this year or you know, you, you, it kind of reacts politically i don't know if the mercury does that so much because it is kind of hard to second guess the choices they make sometimes. Um, I, do, I don't know. I was saying to Nick, I think maybe when we were doing the first session, I went through a phase of when I wasn't really listening to the albums and three out of four years, I picked the winner because I was like, well, they haven't had one of these for a while. I think it will be this. Since I've started listening to them, I haven't picked a single one correctly. But when I wasn't listening and I was just picking them based on their descriptions, um, I know that they say, no, it's just based on the album. But if it was just based on the album, would we have had more jazz winners? Maybe. Um, they do tend to become quite cyclical as well. So I mean, maybe it does get influenced. Maybe it doesn't. Um, John, you, 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 gave, you gave us the Pogues. Give us your thoughts on, on Charlie XCX. All right. OK. Um, well, what you say about it winning, I do think that, I do think the Mercury does try and be uh, zeitgeisty, you know, if you if you like. So I, I do think those sort of things do influence it, but but I don't know if it'll influence it that much, uh, to be honest. So I sort of wanted to love this, um, and when I put it on, the first song 
I thought was brilliant. It was a real banger. And then the more it got on, the sort of the less interested I became. And it's something that that's come up a lot on TFs uh, is is auto tune, and and a lot of sort of older people like me really just it makes my skin crawl. I don't. I I just do not like it if it's overused. I mean, it can be used really effectively and really well. And I think she used it effectively and well occasionally on the album, but but overall, it, I found it alienating. So I think that's I think she, maybe a little bit what Marianne was saying. It's kind of a sense of being a bit too old to really I think she it. uses it better than some. I think it was Bon Iver, maybe his third or second or third album. Suddenly it was auto-tuned up to 100. And I literally couldn't listen to it. I remember just taking it off on the tram and going, no, that, that's now garbage. Um, Emma, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on, on, on Charlie? Uh, XCX. I keep wanting to Roman numeralize it, but that would be 90. Charlie 9010. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I, I thought um, if Pink Diamond isn't being played at Illegal Raves um, this summer, I'd like to know why, because uh, I think they're missing a trick if, if they're not playing that one. Um, but I have to say, it didn't appeal to me really. I, I can see it striking a chord with teenagers, 20 somethings. For, to me, this is for a younger generation, really. I'm not a fan of auto-tune. The baby voice on, um, is it C2.0, really grated. I, I just felt like I wanted to switch it off on that track. Um, I also know, um, thought that um, there's only two years between Charlie and Laura Marling, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. And um, But they just seem to be from different generations really which um their style of music couldn't be more different um, do you think do you think there's going to be an element of uh maybe the judges looking at it and go it could this be the uk's version of a billy eilish or billy eilish you know the sort of female auteur who, who represents a generation or is she just going to be just, just treated purely on musical merit we'll leave the final simon final words to you what do you think or do you think it's going to win is it going to win <sighs> I look, I, every year, every year, I'm wrong about whether it wins. You know, I, I think it's. I, I don't think it's even the best album that she's made in the last year. But maybe it will do on the zeitgeisty side of things. It's certainly, you know, leaving aside its zeitgeisty appeal with regards to lockdown. Just in terms of a generational album, they talk about auto tune. This isn't the auto tune of you know of, of rappers trying to sort of hit their notes. This is real um, sort of J-pop influence. It's very. Um, it's very sort of post me too. It's very queer pop. You know, it it, it ticks a lot of young boxes, um, and you know, I, I think the Mercury, if they were inclined to want to make themselves relevant, it's a good choice. Yeah, good, good. And uh, now um, we briefly mentioned the two-year age difference um, between her and. Laura Marling, which is a seamless segue over to our next album, um, which is Laura Marling's fifth, is it, Emma? Seventh. Seventh, Jesus. Okay, Emma, tell us, tell us about it. <laughs> um, so the album is Song for Our Daughter by Laura Marling. Um, it's the fourth time that she has been nominated, which is equal to Arctic Monkeys and PJ Harvey. Um, only Radiohead have more nominations with five. In a sense, it feels overdue. Um, and she has changed her writing style for this album. So arguably it is, has a different feel to her earlier work. Um, 
it feels to me like a really strong album um, written by a woman about being a woman. And with six albums under her belt, um, I think it has the feel of a career masterpiece um, to it, really. Um, and it's also quite topical with um, the Me Too era and that background going on. I think it definitely has a classic feel about it. It's not sexy or exciting, but it's also not flash in the pan. Um, I think it has quality running all the way through it. Um, and it feels like an album that will stick around as well. Um, and I think it has an honesty about it. It's authentic. Every listen revealed something new to me. Every time I listened to it again, I just found, I just found I, I appreciated it on a deeper level, really. But the, the more I read about it, it's inspired by Maya, Maya Angelou's 2009 book, Letter to My Daughter, which is a series of essays to a younger generation of women and which are full of wisdom, lessons in compassion and fortitude. And I think that really shines through on the album. Um, it's been really well received by critics. Um, I do like it, as you can probably tell. Um, I'm, I'm not sure it will win, but stranger things have happened. Um, I'd be happy if it did. And I think it is a worthy winner, but um, yeah, I, I, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I know a lot, when it was being chatted about on the, on the Facebook group, a lot of people echoed my feelings as well, which was first album, amazing. My God, on that tour, she was something else, came out of nowhere. Roundabout, I think it was album three, she suddenly got this American Atlantic accent, Joni Mitchell voice sort of developed when, I think it was when she went over to the US for a year or two and started recording over there. And it's taken me a while to get used to it. I think this is her best album in ages. Mm. I don't think it touches the first one, but it's definitely more accomplished. It's definitely more professional. It's definitely an artist maturing. Um, John, what do you think? Uh, I, I liked it. I thought um, uh, Emma sort of touched on something where she said it's not particularly sexy or, uh, or, or sort of vital and young in that way, you know. And, and I think it's a style of music as well. I think like, you know, pop music like Charlie XCX, for all those only two years, it's the genre. The pop music fetishizes youth to a ridiculous extent, really. Um, whereas, whereas this album's about motherhood, even though she's not, it's, it's a fictional daughter. Um, the idea is, is that she's taken on the mantle of being sort of older and wiser and somebody who can impart some wisdom. So I thought the, um, lyrically, it was really, it was really interesting. Uh, it weirdly put me in mind of uh, Fiona Apple's uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, lyrically, you know, just in the way of uh, uh, that kind of not giving a fuck thing. And although the music's almost polite, the sentiment isn't polite at all. Uh, and so I, I did quite like that sort of contrast. And I thought it was beautifully played and uh, really beautifully produced and, and on a nice stereo, like really listening to it. Uh, it sounds gorgeous. It sounds beautiful. But I wasn't particularly excited by it. It just didn't, it didn't make me feel something big, really. Um, but I have listened to it a couple of times since, and it's, it is growing on me, so it could be a slow burn, a sort of slow burn classic. I certainly think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a noble effort, you know, it's a really, it's a good, it's a good thing. Marianne, Marianne is nodding her head. So, what is that? Is that, is that an agreement? Yeah, I, I, I am agreeing. What am I agreeing with? Um, 
I so for me Laura Marling's a really interesting artist so on paper she is like right up my street she's you know she's bang on the kind of, of artist that I, I really like to listen to and, and musically but sometimes I really struggle to connect with her album she's somebody where I'll listen to I'll be oh I must listen to the new Laura Marling album and I don't quite get to the end and then I never quite go back to it um so this album's quite interesting I, it really transformed for me between the first and second listen on the first listen I was like mm, yeah yeah mm, it's all right I'm not connect oh it's another it's another Laura Marling album that I'm never gonna listen to again um but but yeah I think on a second listen I, I really appreciated it a lot more um I think the kind of the lyrical precision is really interesting to me because you know I, I recently started writing songs so I'm kind of a lot more focused on like oh yeah she's doing some really great interesting things with the lyrics there um I think the sound of it's very beautiful I can imagine like being in a you know convertible driving down some super cool um I don't know road in America and, and just this kind of being this this backdrop to that which I thought was really um really beautiful I think it is hard to be to be doing what she's doing and like she's not really she's not really reinventing anything is she she's kind of she's almost like at the upper echelon of what of what she's doing but like in something like the mercury it's really hard to compare that with an artist that's like taking something and twisting it or really reinventing it versus just being incredibly like you know i mean competent sounds like a bit faint praise doesn't it but like really yeah accomplished maybe that's the word um you know in, in that way so it's, it's a tricky one isn't it but i i found it a definitely an enjoyable album that opened up for me you know after a few more listens um i will put it on again has it changed my world musically no but but she's you know she's pretty great at what she's doing and, and i do respect that um and, and almost with uh, thank you by the way and almost with perfect um symmetry Sai, do you want the last word i mean this is this is an artist with two years two years um, older than than your than your charlie yeah, and it's yeah, it's a it's a long two years, isn't it? I mean, when, when, when she, didn't she first come out alongside sort of knowing the whale and those sort of people? Yeah, um, I saw her on her first tour. She used to be part of knowing the whale, and it was Brighton's Great Escape. And we just got to see Bonnie Vere. This is the most folky day you could possibly imagine. <laughs> we just got to see Bonnie Vere and went into the university to watch Laura Marling, and it was Mumford and Sons who then were followed by Noah and the Whale, who she was playing her last performance with, and then she headlined. Um, she came out of that whole scene, uh, but she, she's the good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't mind all that stuff at the time. By this point, I don't know, I'm getting, I'm getting a bit of a tin ear for it. I, I listened to it. It does sound a lot of the adjectives that have been thrown like accomplished, you know, and mature. These are kind of adjectives that don't really sort me out particularly. Um, it's quite nice. I quite like having her, having it about, but um, it kind of just drifts past me. If I'm honest, I'm just I'm just super immature and obvious. I like big hooks, but yeah, uh, lyrically I can't argue with it. Uh, but musically, I probably wouldn't put it on again. Okay, so I mean, a relatively mixed bag, but mainly positive um, for Laura Marling. Um, some artists haven't had that positive vibe over the last few days, and we'll come back for the final two albums after that. <laughs> 